Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, January 9th, 2019. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Matt Norlander is here with me, and it was a pretty fun Tuesday night in college basketball. Texas Tech and Oklahoma played a tight game. Texas Tech won, but Oklahoma competed. North Carolina upset NC State in Raleigh. South Carolina upset Mississippi State in Columbia. Shouts to the homie Devin Downey. Baylor upset Iowa State in Waco. Shouts to the legend Terry Teagle. Villanova moved to 3-0 in the Big East with a win over St. John's. And Zion Williamson did something that no other Duke freshman has ever done specifically. He became the first Duke freshman to ever score 30 points, grab 10 rebounds, and dish five assists in the same game. Wake Forest was the victim. Zion also had four steals. So Zion Williamson is now, check this out, the only Division I player in the past 20 years to post a line with 30 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and 4 steals while shooting at least 80% from the field because he was 13 of 16 from the field, including 3 of 4 from 3-point range at Wake Forest. Just an awesome performance. Norlander, do you know how difficult it is to do something no other Duke freshman has ever done? This is a place where Kyrie Irving played, a place where Marvin Bagley played, a place where Jabari Parker played, place where Jason Tatum and Brandon Ingram and Jaleel Okafor played, Austin Rivers, Luau Ding, Corey Maggette, Danny Ferry, Mike Dunleavy, J.J. Reddick, mm-hmm. Johnny Dawkins, Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, Carlos Boozer, oh, Shane Battier, Elton Brand, Grand Hill, and even our pal Jay Billis. Amazing players, one after another at Duke, and Zion is out here on a Tuesday night just doing things nobody's ever done. What'd you make of Zion's historic night at Wake Forest? Some listener, please rewind what Paris just said. Count the names. I don't know how many he said. I'm gonna say that was I'm gonna say that was twenty-four names. That's my guess. You went way longer than I thought you were going to do. You didn't need to include Billis in there, by the way. I think Billis is an occasional listener to the podcast, so shouts to Jay if he is listening. I don't know if he was really worthy of that, but I get the point you're making. How hard is it to do? Well, it's plenty hard, but I'll also say this. There have been instances in recent seasons where Marvin Bagley III has been able to put up uh, certain numbers that have never been done by a Duke freshman. And in fact, I mentioned this on CBS Sports HQ last night. And if you are not, by the way, let me just sneak in a plug here. Parrish mm-hmm. and I are going to be on CBS Sports HQ almost daily throughout the rest of the season. So if you watch games like I watched last night, GP Tuesday was a loaded night for hoops. So I had the double TVs going, um, streaming all types of stuff. But using you know CBS Sports HQ on the, on the Apple TV or the Roku or on your phone, you'll be able to see us chat with you that way in addition to your podcast. So be sure to check that out. But what I said on HQ was this. It's remarkable what Zion Williamson is right now when you consider, and I'm not going to run down the laundry list of names that you mentioned over the past just GP, just since Kyrie Irving on, there has been a freshman to come into Duke almost annually that has been considered, and in retrospect, some of this is folly, but you know, borderline generational or a once every three to five kind of uh, prospect, right? And and I'm not even talking about the guys at Kentucky. I'm talking about the guys that go to Duke. And every season, there's been something interesting about uh, a lot of those players: Irving, Bagley. Okafor was a first-team All-America as a freshman. Jabari Parker was really, really awesome when he was there, uh, in addition to a number of other guys. And yet, as we sit here midway through this season, I understand that there is already Zion Williamson fatigue is starting to set in for some. Strap in, because I know I mentioned this a month and a half ago on the podcast. If you're tired of it now, you have not seen anything yet, because college basketball has not made its turn to center stage just yet. And for Williamson to continue to do this, considering the hype, considering the other talent he's got around him, the program he's at, the coach he plays for, it's amazing. His PER, player efficiency rating, Parish. I remember we talked 
mid-December, and it was above 40. And I said, well, that is – you will not be able to maintain that. That is that is not a sustainable uh, rate because having a PER in the 30s is incredible. 40s is essentially Everest. It's at 43.0 according to College Basketball Reference right now. That's insane and by far and away the best. It's just one of many statistics, but if you are able – to have a PER in the 40s when you are halfway through a season, it's just flat-out stupid. He is the runaway favorite for freshman of the year, and yes, he is by far the favorite right now for national player of the year. I'm not going to sign off on it now. We have seen so many things turn. We were saying Trey Young had it locked up in mid-January last season. We saw what happened, but it's just it's just outright incredible uh, how he continues to do this. And by the way, he hit three three-pointers against Wake Forest. That was a that was a career high in college for him. So even the one weakness he has for at least a night, that was tossed to the side. Notable quote from Mike Krzyzewski. He said that Zion is better than I thought he would be. And Zion, after the game, you know, noted that he, he hates it when people just describe him as a dunker because he's clearly more than that. He, he, he became famous for that. And honestly – I thought he was more of that than he was of this coming out of high school. But I think everybody did, including Mike Krzyzewski. Nobody thought he was this. I mean, as crazy as it might sound, very few people, if anybody, thought he was even going to be the best player on his team. And now he looks like the best player in the country. You know, some people thought he might be a somebody picked outside of the top 10 in the NBA draft. Now, I mean, I was just on the phone with an NBA scout this morning. Like, it's it's... It's, it's pretty clear to everybody. He's got to be the first pick of the draft. And so if you've got Zion Williamson fatigue, I don't know what's wrong with you because he, this is not just some Duke player we're propping up, and it's not just some NBA prospect we're giving attention to. He's an unbelievable college basketball player for a really good college basketball team. And so if that's not the type of thing we are going to spend time talking about or writing about, I don't even know what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, (laughs) He was awesome last night, and he's been awesome um, pretty much from the jump this season. One last note on Duke. They blocked 13 shots last night. (laughs) Um, And they lead the nation in block shots. They had 13 last night. And I got this from Duke's SID, Mike DeGeorge, who does a tremendous job. It's the sixth time this season that Duke has blocked at least 10 shots in a game. Six times already this season. In the seven previous years, they only did it three times Mm. total. And they've done it six times in this season, and it's January 9th. So so just add that to the list of things Duke is awesome at. Um, They can dunk all over you. Um, They can score 100,000 points on you. They can hold you to terrible shooting percentages. Um, They can overwhelm you in transition. And, yes, they will block your shot possession after possession after possession after possession. Elsewhere on uh, Tuesday night, Tennessee beat Missouri at Missouri by 24 points. And Missouri isn't bad. I mean, that's a Missouri team that's got to win over UCF, which is some people's favorite in the American and a top 35 Kempom team. Missouri entered top 75 at Kempom with a 9-3 and record featuring wins over UCF, Oregon State, and Xavier. And regardless, UT just murdered them. Uh, Grant Williams only scored four points, didn't play well, didn't matter. So Tennessee's now 13-1 and with 12 double-digit wins. Where are the Vols going to be in your stupid power rankings next time you update Norlander? I haven't, <laughs> Parrish, I haven't even gotten to that. Um, and that's, by the way, as a weekly exercise is... Don't, don't you dare it's, talk I, about having to rank teams one time a week when I was up at 4 a.m. ranking stupid basketball teams last night after I got out of the studio. 
Yeah, well, it's it's a, it's a trying process, okay? It just try, try put it every day with, with Marquette and Michigan fans constantly tweeting you. Try uh, that. Oh, we're going to get there. Don't you worry. I will absolutely have the Vols top five. I, I'm not going to have them top three because I know I'm going to still have Duke, Virginia, and Michigan in the top three. There's just no reason to, to adjust those. Uh, but Tennessee, eh, probably four. I, on his face, I, I gotta, I gotta see, uh, I gotta see how everything stacks up here. But they, they started out this game, and I think Missouri's, it's Missouri is just gonna be a whatever team this year. It just is, you know. It, it's not gonna make the NCAA tournament, barring an unthinkable run in the SEC tournament or dominance in league play, which I just don't think is foreseeable. Like it's been, it's been fine, but you know, whatever. It started out strong in the game against Tennessee, and then Tennessee totally flipped it by the end of the first half. And it was one of those moments. I had that. I was going quad box um, on one of my TVs, and I had I had the Tennessee Missouri game. The volume wasn't on that one, so I look, you know, early on, and I see they're down. I'm like, okay, so maybe this will be a little bit interesting here. Let's see how this goes. And then, uh, quite frankly, my 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 toddler crapped in the bathtub, as you are aware oh. of. So I left. Yeah. For sending me a picture of your uh, of your son's doo doo, that yeah. was awesome. His dookie, <laughs> His, he dropped a duke. Um, who, sends, who sends pictures to their coworkers of 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 children poop? I I well, there was a reason I did it, but I can't explain the context of why I did it. But you know why I did that because of what? One, uh, one of our friends. Oh, we, um, let's not. But you can't you can't go there. I can say one of our friends. Uh. I mean, I guess you could, but I mean, yeah, one of our one of our friends is uh, is expecting a child, and we were trying to tell him um, how difficult it is having children, and it coincided <laughs> in real time with your oldest son taking a doo doo in the bathtub. And then I just I had to send along the the photo evidence to to just indicate what was what was coming down coming down a, the the shoot literally in his future that, so that's a hell of a picture to get on your iphone though while you're trying to do television work i'll tell you that uh, you, well the, some of the photos that i've uh, that have come across that that particular group chat uh, i don't even know if that would that would crack the top 10 to be honest but anyway the point is by the time i returned from the glorious world of parenting Ooh. tennessee was up by like 13 just yeah. like flipped it just like that so i don't even know how they did it but they did it they look really Continually, continually look impressive in, and it's not just like Schofield and Williams are are terrific. They both turn themselves into legitimate prospects, but uh, I think even Jordan Bone, who's not as who's not as good as I want him to be when I watch him play, he still has some really nice moments, and uh, and even Kyle Alexander is 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 a reliability down low. They've just got some nice pieces. Um, even Pons off the bench can be an athletic freak. He has flashes there, so just. Nothing but great things to say about Tennessee. I, I won't accept anyone else as an SEC frontrunner at this point. I know there are other good teams that are going to be in the mix there. Um, and you're liable to get picked off the way that Mississippi State was, as you mentioned, by uh, by South Carolina. But, uh, yeah, Vols, all in, man. This team is, is fantastic, unquestionably top five in the country. Yeah, people talk about the SEC. Um, you know, at the top they go, is it Tennessee, Auburn, Kentucky? And I think the conversation is really um, – who finishes second behind Tennessee? Mm-hmm. They look rock solid. I, there, there are countless twists and turns to a college basketball season, so perhaps Tennessee will be the the next example of that. But right now, man, I mean, they are. We know they can beat the very best because they've done it. They they beaten Gonzaga and they've taken Kansas to overtime. And everybody else, they just beat their brains in. They they, they got twelve double digit wins right now. 
So everybody except Gonzaga, every other win on their schedule has come by double digits and by an average of like 25 points per game. So they are completely overwhelming uh, the competition. Um, really impressive performance at Missouri. Um, just the way they, they, they beat you know, Conzo's Tigers just just beat them down completely. Uh, the other impressive road performance last night, and perhaps even more impressive given that the caliber of opponent was uh, superior, was North Carolina uh, going to NC State and, and winning. We're going to talk about that in a second, but first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. So UNC won at NC State 90-82. The Tar Heels are now 6-0 and in their past six trips to Raleigh. They opened the game uh, on a 12-0 run, and they, they never trailed for even a second. So they're now 12-3 and with wins over Gonzaga and NC State and no sub-30 Ken Palm losses on the resume. I know you picked UNC to win on Sunday's podcast, so I know you weren't surprised. Still... That's pretty impressive, right? UNC now has that win over Gonzaga and uh, this big road win over NC State. That's big time uh, to get this kind of win. And it won't resonate nationally as much, but you, you lock up two road wins uh, in the league back-to-back, and, you know, Pitt's not terrible. I think that just does little small things that are good for the resume overall and just feels good if you're on that staff or you're a UNC fan. Hey, we open up the league with two road games, and we we won both of them. Uh, that's got to feel really good after coming off, you know, the Kentucky game um, three weeks ago. That was, you know, less than inspiring. So at this point, yeah, it, it kind of perished. I know Cam Johnson went down. There was some scare. Might be, a, you know, it's not going to be as bad as people thought because he was cramps and all that, which is great to see because Cam Johnson um, – I'd say we haven't given him enough run uh, on the on the pod yet this season. He has been – I'll say this. He has been as good as advertised for what they wanted him to be when he transferred away from Pitt, and that's not always the case, particularly when you're looking at a player transferring from a power conference team to another power conference team. And each season there are, I don't know, five to ten guys that seem just to get a little more run because of how productive they were and are expected once they transfer to be about that kind of player, sometimes even more than that. Cam Johnson, it would have been understandable if he was not as good as he's been, but he has been that. He's been very valuable to this team. I know Kobe White's been terrific. Luke May was awesome again. He just continues to wreck NC State, uh, but Cam Johnson's been just about as consistent as anyone else. I I can't go on without mentioning how important he is and why I still think North Carolina's got a shot at the Final Four because they got a guy like him. I think he really mixes it up well. For NC State, real quick, Parrish, not a ton of shame in the loss. It's I, it's got to be frustrating for state fans in this regard. Uh, Joe Giglio, who covers uh, who covers the the Wolfpack down there in North Carolina, um, he tweeted out uh, he does sometimes this these notepad uh, graphs, which I actually love to, to see throughout the season. He pointed out just how often UNC and NC State had faced each other when both were ranked. And and dating back to the mid-'70s, North Carolina State has like four or five wins total. So whenever you're good as an NC State fan and you happen to face North Carolina when, frankly, it's ranked almost every single time you play them, uh, more often than not, you're not going to get the win. That includes on your home floor, so that's a little frustrating. And when you take into account the non-conference schedule for North Carolina State, um, this is why I just think it's I think it's going to make the tournament 
GP, but it's probably going to be doomed to have a, a seed that's going to be disappointing because you're not going to have the non-con heft there. And then when you're losing, like you got these great opportunities at home and you don't, you're not able to take advantage of them. You don't get Duke on your home floor. That's not going to happen. And Virginia, you get one chance at them at home. Like hopefully you can knock out them or Virginia Tech. NCC still has those chances because obviously you're going to take on some water with uh, inevitable road losses. I, I like NC State. I, I, I know that they were at tip-off about a point favorite, so they it was a game they were supposed to win, but it's still just a, a loss to, to North Carolina, a team that I have in the top 10 of the top 25 and one now, so uh, certainly not a bad loss, and they don't have any bad losses on their resume. If I told NC State fans, or even Kevin Keats, uh, you know, on opening day, that on January 9th he'd be 13-2 and with a win over Auburn, he would have taken it, no questions asked, and that's what they are right now, 13-2, and uh, with a win over Auburn. So NC State's in a good place. Let me ask you this. Do um, you think North Carolina can compete with Duke and Virginia at the top of the ACC to win an ACC regular season title? No. I don't think okay. – I don't think – I think they can beat those teams, Parrish, but if you take a look at what the ACC is this season and the schedule that North Carolina is facing – now, granted, they do have two road wins under the belt already, which is definitely big. Um, I don't expect them – entering in that final so okay let's just put it this way their final game as always of the regular season is against duke that happens to this year it falls where it'll be in chapel hill i do not expect that unc will enter that game with the opportunity to win against duke and in doing so match the record atop the league with either of those teams i think it can get if things break the right way maybe one game behind but i think the likely scenario here is that carolina will finish third and it will be uh, three games behind in the loss column to the team that finishes first. I would disagree with that. I'm not ruling it out, but I think they've got a better chance than most realize to, to actually win an SEC regular season title or share an SEC, I mean, ACC regular season title. And the region, reason is because of the schedule. Um, I think Duke and Virginia are clearly the best two teams in the ACC. I, if we're just ranking best teams in the ACC, I would go Duke 1, Virginia 2, North Carolina 3. But check this out. There are six top 20 Ken Palm teams uh, in the ACC right now. It's number one Duke, number two Virginia, number seven UNC, number eight Virginia Tech, number 18 Florida State, number 19 NC State. Virginia has to play road games against four of them going forward. Duke has to play road games against four of them going forward. UNC only has road games against two of them total, and one of them was last night. Mm. So they've only got one more road game against a current top 20 Ken Palm team, whereas Duke and Virginia have four each. And so I really do think we might, and this is why some ACC fans like sort of, uh, roll their eyes at the idea of ACC regular season titles. But as long as they uh, hang banners for them and as long as they put them on a coach's Wikipedia page, then we're going to talk about them. Um, you know, North Carolina might end up sharing at least and perhaps winning simply because the, the schedule unbalanced is advantageous for the Tar Heels going forward. That might be true, but conference play has a has a reliable way of getting wonky. And, you know, as those other teams will as well, UNC has one stretch coming up in January where three of four are away from home. There's another stretch later in the season where four of six are away from home, and that includes games at Clemson, at Duke. I think it's entirely possible UNC drops both of those. So with what you provided, 
I will uh, I will make a slight amendment. I like your research, Parrish. I'll say two games behind. They can do it, but I don't I don't find it to be all that likely. Uh, I am going to maintain my pick of Virginia finishing the top of the league. If you want to default that to say they're going to win the ACC, that's fine. I'll stick with that. Um, I think. It, it's entirely plausible that Duke and Virginia wind up with the same amount of losses in league play, and I'll settle at that being two, by the way, and finish atop the ACC. But UNC's right there, and I consider UNC a Final Four uh, threat. No doubt about it. They're deserving to sit at that at that table. They've maintained strong standing across many metrics as we've gone along, and uh, Duke, UNC, Virginia seem a tier separated. I know Virginia Tech's kind of close, but we talked about on the previous podcast how they're missing some pieces. I actually think that just bumps them just a little bit there. I wouldn't put them quite on that tier yet. I think that's a fair assessment at this point. But the ACC has a top three, unlike, as we said, the SEC, which we think is, has, uh, has one team, and then there's some separation to the rest. Another thing that stood out on Tuesday night, Villanova beat St. John's. So the reigning national champions are now 3-0 and in the Big East for the first time since 2016. They're the only Big East team without a league loss so far. Only Big East team with three league wins so far. These dudes lost to Furman and Penn, and they're really about to go out and win the Big East title, aren't they? I'm really – okay, so we talked about one of my children earlier here, and here's my second one. So it's – I don't know what time it is. It's like 12.35 last night. I'm doing a late-night feeding. I'm, ex- I'm exhausted. Got to get it done, though, and – Absolutely, as I as I did uh, as I did when Carter was uh, was a young boy, and frankly, do every season. When I'm up, I'm writing whatever. If inside college basketball's on, I'm checking in. You were rocking. Was that periwinkle? By the way, what color was that? Was that suit last night? I think I'm gonna call it like a, a baby blue. It looks like a baby blue to me. But somebody else thought that it was uh, uh, maybe it, it looked a little purple to them. Brendan Haywood did. Uh, but I, I, in my eyes, it's baby blue. I think it was. I think it was a it was a strong periwinkle, and uh, you had a good pocket square rocking there. But as as the show goes along. You know, you're doing this, uh, what was it called? Overreaction or reality, I think it was called. And Overreaction or reality, yeah. hosted by the great Jamie Erdogan. That's correct. And so you get to this section where you talk about Villanova winning the Big East. And I'm sitting here watching. I'm like, well, Parrish is going to say this is an overreaction because he picked Marquette to win the Big East like t- a week and a half ago and then reinforced that idea all of two podcasts ago. And all it takes is for a little hot Villanova team that I did pick to win the Big East to get wins over DePaul, Providence, and St. John's, two of those three coming at home, and you're flipping again. See, you cannot stand Marquette, and this is the proof of it. I could not believe what I saw. You've bailed on them entirely, and now you got Villanova winning the league. I didn't mean to get here. I, I was really I thought I was gonna ride with uh with the uh, with Marquette and, and Wojo's team till the end, but you start to look at it now, and obviously they're they're ahead in the standings, but uh, you know that doesn't mean much on January 9th. But I really do think you know with the way they're playing now and all of the computers back it up, I really do think it's more likely than not that they're gonna they're gonna win the Big East, which is surprising to me because. Again, I mean, we, you don't usually think a team that lost to Furman and Penn is going to go win its league when it's a top six league in America, but here we are. It's just, you know what, sometimes you, there's there's a certain rhythm, mindset, however you want to quantify it, and Villanova still has a hold on this league. Again, I think I'll say this for the eighth time this season on the podcast, just so Xavier fans don't come after me. I know Xavier won the regular season last year. Villanova was still considered the best team in that league regardless of that, and obviously it wound up proving that. 
despite the losses. Furman, I think Furman's going to be in the tournament anyway. And those are those are you should not take those losses. Period. But the, at least they weren't like absolutely hideous. Like Furman needed OT, and Penn barely scraped away in a in a Big Five game. And Penn might be the second best team in the Ivy, but still, I get the point you're making here. Now Nova's next up is is Sunday. We got a ways to to get to there at Creighton. You know, it wouldn't shock me at all if they dropped that one. I, I don't think that the Big East champion is going to uh, win this league with, like, three losses or less. I think I think Villanova will win it and mark me down for them dropping four games. One quick note on St. John's. They did exactly what we said they would do on the podcast, like, three weeks ago. Do you remember this? Because we were looking as they were getting ready to start Big East play, and we said, okay, well, here are their next four games. They went 12-0 and in non-conference. It's great, but they, they, have a, they had a terrible non-conference schedule. They still couldn't get ranked. Well, here's a critical stretch to start play. They go to Seton Hall. They play Marquette at home. They go to Georgetown. They go to Villanova. That's three out of their first four on the road. If we want to take St. John's seriously, what did we say, Parrish? We said they had they, to win at least two. Two to two. They had to go two and two, right? And we said, "What's the what's the worst possible combination that of that that you could possibly get?" Well, winning your home game, and then what's the weakest road opponent? Georgetown. Well, they got it. They, by the way, they barely got it. They won an OT. Shamari Pons had another thirty-plus point game in that. So they did exactly what we kind of expected them to. So they go two and two in that stretch. They're fourteen and two now. They are ranked. They've got a home opportunity that they, I think, they'll win easily on Saturday against DePaul. But I'm still like I'm in on St. John's making the tournament, being a quality team. I'm just not. I don't know how in on on them I am as as where they stand in the greater hierarchy of college basketball. Um, because if you watch that Nova game last night. If you're a St. John's fan, you can walk away saying, like, no, we should have had that. And if we are a top 20 team, if this roster and its talent is Sweet 16 caliber, we need to win that game. And it didn't. Um, if you're Chris Mullen on the morning of December 29th, that was the morning of the Seton Hall game, if you tell him you're 12-0 and right now, will you take 14-2? and Will you split these next two? I think the safe thing to do is just say, yeah, I'll take it. And yet, I bet he feels sick right now, even though he got the two and two. And here's why. They got screwed at Seton Hall. Yeah. So that should be a win. They beat Marquette, beat Georgetown, and then they're up double digits on Villanova. Like, like they could very reasonably, with just a whistle here, a shot here, stop there, they could very reasonably be 16-0 and right now. Uh, now, uh, obviously, they could they could also be uh, you know thirteen and three with a loss to Georgetown. So you know this stuff cuts both ways. Right, exactly. But whereas, if I were a St. John's fan, I would have been thrilled to go two and two in that four game stretch. It's what we talked about. When you look back at it now, and you got the two wins that you were supposed to get, and you had Seton Hall beat, and the refs screwed you, and you had Villanova down double digits, and you just I don't want to say fell apart, you know, but like you didn't hold on to it. Um, it is kind of frustrating the way that the, the four-game stretch unfolded. It is, and yet th- there is a, a balance. Now, if you're St. John's, I think you'd rather just take the loss at Georgetown and then get the one at Villanova because I do think there's a little it, – it's it's not a zero-sum there. I, I think if you had, if you had dropped one at Georgetown, gotten at Nova, you might be in a little bit better standing there. It, it's just how it goes. Uh, now they get three of their next four at home, so I would expect St. John's to make a turn for the better upcoming and probably keep it standing in the rankings. I think that will happen, uh, but we'll wait and see. Um, and then, you know, there's obviously other things that are going to happen within the league. Marquette plays at Creighton on Wednesday night. That's not a gimme for Marquette. I, I actually, I, 
Normally we make picks on the podcast. I don't know who to pick in that game. I think that's one to keep an eye on. And then Butler, <laughs> you, you pick Butler to finish third. Then you throw him in the garbage. I think those were your exact words. It has a game at Seton Hall. It's coming off a dominant win over Creighton. It's going to be hilarious if Butler wins this game because you completely disposed of them. Um, <laughs> but we'll wait and see. One quick note uh, on Houston. It's still undefeated. It plays as a road game at Temple tonight. And we talked about St. John's being undefeated with a week non-con. Houston also does. I've got a thing on Kelvin Sampson at the Court Report on CBSSports.com right now. Uh, this is a you know a fairly important game in terms of, all right, if Houston wins this to get to 16-0, and it's going to be knocking on the door. It's going to make the tournament, but it, it's going to be approaching lock territory. And Houston has not made the tournament in consecutive years since Elijah and Drexler were in uh, UH uniforms. So those are a couple games to watch for on Wednesday. I didn't know if you wanted to hit on anything on Thursday before we get out of, get out of here. But, uh, but yeah. There's nothing good on Thursday, but Wednesday does have some interesting games. And since you're so good at predictions, taking North Carolina at NC State, let me ask you this. Uh, among the games of note scheduled for Wednesday night, uh, number 11 Auburn is at Ole Miss, and that's a good Ole Miss team. Like, they weren't supposed to be good, but Kermit Davis is the coach, and so they're good. I think they're 12-2 and two right now um, and got a chance to, to really uh, make themselves part of the college basketball conversation if they can handle or upset Auburn uh, on Wednesday night at the at the Pavilion. It should be a packed uh, arena at, at Ole Miss, and it's it's that's not often the case. Uh, down in Oxford, but it but it will be on Wednesday night. You got number 17, Houston at Temple, like you said. Number 21, Marquette at Creighton, like you said. Number 25, TCU at number 7, Kansas. Kansas' is first game since officially losing Yudoka Azubuki for the season. Tell me which of the following is going to happen Wednesday night. A, Ole Miss will beat Auburn. B, Temple will beat Houston. C, Creighton will beat Marquette. Or D, TCU will beat Kansas. Ah. <sighs> Or E, none of the above. The chances of E are very low. I'm so tempted to take it, but I'm not going to. Auburn will beat Mississippi, but man, oh man, if Mississippi if Mississippi wins that, one of the true overachieving uh, major conference teams of the season so far because they were not expected to be anywhere near what they are right now. I'll take Marquette over Creighton. I will not take TCU over Kansas at Kansas. I'm going to stick with Houston, although that's a, that's a that's that's a big ask. Temple's not bad this season, and Temple it needs this kind of win, needs it if it wants to truly enter into the potential to be an at-large team and make the American. It's going to be tough for that league to get four bids, but it needs this is what you need if you're the American. You need Temple to win every single game it plays against a good team at home. Can't drop those opportunities, but I think it will. I'm going to take Houston a really close one. Um, so I'll say Marquette over Creighton is the most likely one. Two other ones that I'm just floating and watching tonight, Parrish, because it actually is like... Hold on. You're, th you're saying Marquette will beat Creighton or Creighton will beat Marquette? What do you say? I'm saying Marquette will beat Creighton. Those are the four you gave me, so that's the one I'm saying. But two you didn't mention. I'm just keeping an eye on Clemson at Syracuse. And then Louisville goes to Pitt. It's one of those where it's it's, it's not a gimme, but Louisville really, you know, needs, it, needs to get a, it needs to get a win there. There's there's stuff all over the map tonight. College football ended, so Tuesday night, Wednesday night, we're, we're pretty loaded up. And as you said, Thursday's... Uh, there's stuff, but it's just there's not a lot of eye-popping stuff. But then again, watch us. Friday, I'm sure we'll be talking about something that happened Thursday, but Wednesday is where you want to be for sure. Right. Uh, to, to your point on Ole Miss uh, being one of the big overachievers in college basketball so far this season, they started the season 97th at Ken Palm. They are now 42nd at Ken Palm, so they've improved by 55 spots. So they're sitting here at 11-2 and two, uh, with the lone losses being uh, at Butler – 
and on a neutral court to Cincinnati. So no really great wins, but also no bad losses. And I will not be surprised. I'm not predicting it because I don't want Bruce to go out and make T-shirts. But you should I will predict not, it. Because uh, I, no, Parrish, <laughs> you should predict it because I want him to go out and make T-shirts. Go ahead. If, 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 I ain't trying to get Bruce Pearl making eye on college basketball T-shirts like he did the 414 T-shirts last year. So I'm not predicting it, but I will not be surprised if Ole Miss, uh, if Ole Miss beats Auburn. That's a, that's a better-than-expected Ole Miss team. And uh, Auburn's very, very good, but, I mean, we've seen it. Uh, you know, Cincinnati somehow loses at East Carolina. Iowa State loses at Baylor. People lose on the road in league play, and uh, that might be another opportunity where it happens. We will see. Like we always do. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. Teagle. He's the legend. Shouts to Larnell. And if you haven't done it already, please go subscribe to the Eye on College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to make sure you get the latest episodes in your phone ASAP. Uh, rate it favorably if you're compelled to do so. Five stars and nice comments. That's all I've ever asked from you. Or at least it's the only thing I remember ever asking from you. So please go da- do that if you haven't done it. If you already have, thank you. And we're going to talk to you again on Friday. Till then. Take care.